0: All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bits and Bytes. Today we have a very special guest with us named Andy. He's actually a close friend of mine and we managed to get him on the show today. Andy, I'll let you take things off and introduce yourself from here.
1: Sounds good, thanks for having me here. Uh, Sam, Camille, Jane, good to see y'all. My name is Andy and I've worked as a recruiter for the past three years uh, within a multiple industries and diverse roles, uh, some of which includes tech, HR, accounting and the rest. Um, But what's more relevant to today is tech. Always been fascinated by the ability to seemingly create something out of nothing. Uh, And from an outsider's perspective, programmers generally seemed like magicians for me. Uh, So that's honestly why I stepped into recruitment to begin with, because I was fascinated by the tech realm.
0: Awesome. And um, so, for those that you know uh, might be curious, like what were you doing before you decided to go into recruiting? Like, did you have like an HR background? Did you do any kind of education or certification to get into recruiting?
1: <laughs> I have probably one of the most interdisciplinary backgrounds from an education perspective. Um, psych major, biz can minor, none of which touched on really recruiting per se. Um, but as luck will have it, it's one of those things where I was at the right place at the right time. I would say generally most people can go into recruitment, um, but you do have to know the right people if you have no experience or you have some type of sales experience from the past. I've worked in retail sales, I've worked in software sales before I stepped into recruiting. Um, So after I departed that software sales job, I connected with a friend and he always thought I would be good in recruitment, gave it a shot and fast forward to today, I have three years on my belt. So It's one of those industries where the more you give is, and the more you'll get, because you're honestly making a difference in not only the lives of those around you and your company, but also enriching the ones of your candidates that are ideally coming into a better environment, you know, closer to home, better pay, more opportunities for growth and the likes.
2: Awesome. Um, just for those that I'm kind of curious, cause obviously I've never worked in recruitment myself, yeah, but for sure. like what's the, what's the correlation between sales or, or even retail experience and recruitment?
1: So think about it this way. You can have a fantastic product generally in a sales context, but if you have no one to push or market or sell this product, no good. Same goes for a job. Um, so the core essence or product of a recruiter is the role that you're trying to fill or hire for, Um, In order for you to appeal to so many different candidates out there competing at the same time with other um, companies out there hiring for the exact same roles, you have to be able to effectively communicate the main highlights of the role. But before you even do that, you have to understand what that candidate is looking for. And so this requires a variety of different skills. But first and foremost, I would say communications, thorough research skills, and then once again, tying back to the sales skills, because once you understand what they're looking for. Now you have to position the role in such a way that it resonates with the other side.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. This is really fascinating because like I think both Gene and I can mostly speak to to the other to the other end, right? Like we're we're mm-hmm. looking for a job in tech and we're we're trying to hunt down, you know, the right fit for for us. Um, but I think most people don't think from the perspective of the other side is that they probably want, you know, the ideal version of of you uh, just as bad as you want to be, you know, find, find an occupation. Exactly. Um, and I think that's, that's something that I think could be really interesting for, for potential, you know, whoever's listening on online right now, um, that's looking to, to get into tech. I think that's really interesting as well.
0: Definitely. And so for me, like, I'm more curious, cause you know that you said you have to kind of learn how to like market yourself and like, you're mm-hmm. essentially kind of selling yourself. Right. So like, um, in terms of like the process then, like from a recruiter standpoint. Um, when you have let's say someone that wants to hire your services to find a job like do you do kind of like an interview with them like do you you know meet with them in person like how do you get a better idea of like how what kind of candidate there are and like how do you help them improve their marketability
1: for sure so I I would say this is more relevant to my agency experience because Mm -hmm. as a corporate recruiter I have to differentiate between the two Um, So agency recruiter, you're hiring for any company that's willing to hire you on for your services, a corporate recruiter or internal recruiter, you're only hiring and looking out for the company, usually. Um, So when it comes to really being able to put yourself out there and help more candidates, I have actually found that uh, you have more power and capacity to do so in an agency perspective, because your job is to meet candidates, as many as possible that are quality over quantity, And then try to find them a, you know, ideal fit within the variety of roles that you're working on. Um, So going back to your question, just to confirm my understanding, you're saying if I'm a candidate right now, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to look for a job and I connect with an agency recruiter, what would be the other side's uh, services or process to help me out? Is that the idea?
0: Yes, exactly. Perfect.
1: Um, So generally, I i usually connect with them either via online, so social media, LinkedIn as, a, as, as an example, mm-hmm. uh, or in-person, friend of a friend, connection of a sorts. Um, after that initial point of contact, uh, we'd usually set up a time to connect. Um, and some prep work I'd like them to usually do is to be able to bring first off their resume. I don't need a cover letter because as I'm speaking to these folks, I generally have a good understanding as to who they are. And my job is to effectively sell, their uh, relevancy to these hiring managers. I would say the biggest challenge that I found when I was starting to look for a job, and this seems to resonate with a lot of the candidates as well, is how do you get yourself out there? Because when you're applying for a job, especially right now during a pandemic, when there was a lot of turnover and kind of Mm -hmm. shuffling of jobs and people and bodies, um, it seems like there's 100 different candidates per role. So how do you really get a foot in the door so that you you have a person, on the other hand, that you can communicate and speak with and have a chance to present yourself? This is where I would normally come in. Mm -hmm. I'd be able to get an understanding as to, hey, what are your motivations? What's your relevant educational experience from professional work experience perspective or volunteer work perspective or even group projects? Um, A lot of times people don't necessarily have the experience to begin with. That's okay. All you got to do is put in extra effort and seem earnest and keen in doing side projects and learning trades from, you know, online education um, and connecting with people to show them that you have that interest and drive at the very least. Gotcha.
0: So I'm actually kind of curious then. Like when you um, look for, you know, potential candidates um, what are some of like the like green flags and what are some of the red flags?
2: <laughs> and so and I guess to add reasons. on to that, like, does that sure. depend on the role? Like, like I think mm-hmm. specifically we we're looking at the tech industry, like I, yeah. I, we usually divide it into two, right? Like technical roles and, and non-technical roles. For sure. Right, like, and I'm guessing there's different requirements for each.
1: Yeah, every requirement is different because it's a different role you're trying to fill. Yeah. So that, that's a given. Uh, but when it comes to <laughs> green flags, Uh, Some of the, aside from what the hiring managers have communicated to us, I would say, generally speaking, the skills that I'm looking for are strong communication skills, because regardless of whatever role you're working in, you're going to be communicating with whether it's internal stakeholders, your teammates, your project leaders, or external stakeholders, your clientele, your customers. So as a result, that's the first and foremost thing that I'm looking for, your ability to present or communicate. Uh, Secondly, I would say I'm honestly looking for someone who has a genuine intent and interest in the job and company because i don't know about you guys but have you ever spoken with someone who's at an interview but they they're just giving off this aura like they don't really need or want this job
0: Mm. (laughs) it's
1: very evident so that's a waste of time on both ends
0: no probably
1: (laughs) you've probably been on that side too like i think i speak for myself too when you know way back then I was interviewing for a variety of companies there was one or two where I just went for the sakes of practicing or for the sakes of getting better understanding as, as to what the company's about but I already knew internally that I wasn't interested mm-hmm. right so we've all been there
0: <laughs> definitely
1: <Yeah>. so <laughs> um, and then the third green flag that I would say I usually look for uh, is to make sure that they are friendly they don't have to be extroverted, like when it comes to the energy that they're giving off or derived from, um, but at the very least, they're friendly because once again, you're working with people. And usually if you're going to be working with these guys, whether it's virtually in, in person, Monday to Friday, or even weekend sometimes, right? Ideally, you can connect on a professional level or a casual
2: level. Awesome. Maybe it's speaking more to your time working internally with recruitment, but um, where, where does culture come into play? in terms of like, you know, you were talking about friendliness, right? Yeah. How do how do and then culture thing I find is this kind of like voodoo word that, that employers <laughs> tell you when they don't want to hire you. Right. But but I also think on the other side there there is truth to that. Right. Like if they're not the right fit culture wise, whatever whatever that means, um, then then it's it's reality that both sides won't be happy in the long run. So so like how yeah. how does that usually get tackled?
1: So there's a variety of things that I want to address there because that was a multitude of uh, aspects <laughs> that you're talking about. Um, so I'll try, I'll try to address each and every one. But first and foremost, I would say how a culture is defined to begin with starts from the top. So that first employee or the founder of the company and subsequent hires is what formulates the culture on top of usually if you don't have an HR, if you do, that's great. Um, but you also have to maintain the culture too. So two aspects, whoever you bring in, forms of culture and then to maintain and also strengthen or even grow the culture, you have to ensure that there's, you know, strict guidelines or I wouldn't say strict necessarily, more so general guidelines with people to help support and uh, reiterate on it if necessary. Uh, And then beyond that, yes, oftentimes there's a variety of excuses I've heard both as a candidate and as a recruiter for my colleagues. And I think I've had to give some, I generally try to be transparent, but sometimes my hands are tied where they use culture or you know, there was a better candidate as an excuse. And unfortunately that is the industry norm. A lot of people do say that. Um, but I, I would say these days, I'm meeting more and more recruiters that are trying to be transparent where possible, right? Um, because they've been candidates. We've all been candidates at one point and it just feels so disheartening when you put your heart into it and on paper, maybe even you seem like you're a great fit, but then they come back and tell you, Hey, it was a culture fit issue.
2: Mm. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then I think along those kind of lines, I think um, mm-hmm. you touched on a little bit because I think we've been talking from the vantage point of someone looking for, for work. Right. But I think sure. a lot of our listeners right now are our founders themselves. Uh, some may have hired before. Some may mm-hmm. have not hired in, in Canada per se. Um, like what are some tips if, if, if you're like, let's say you're a new company in, in Vancouver, just for the sake of this conversation, um, what are some things to kind of simply get going when you're starting to look for candidates? Right.
1: First define exactly why you need to hire and for what position. So establish the, the scope of the role and whether it's, you know, a lot, a lot of mistakes that I've seen is people trying to, as an example, fit two or three roles into one. (laughs) <laughs> so that's a disaster to begin with. Um, so I would say, make sure that you've tried and tested either through research, you know, looking at other companies in similar roles to see what the responsibilities are, and then try to see if that also applies to your company and, and the need that you currently have. Once the established, that has been established, your guidelines and roles, uh, now it comes down to sourcing, to finding the right fit. And from there on out, you can honestly utilize just about anything at your fingertips, whether it's your immediate circle of influence. So your friends, your family, your loved ones, get, tell them the word that you are hiring, that there's a great company that's kicking off um, and it is looking for some similar minded people that are willing to grow with the company, that sort of thing usually resonates with candidates. Because uh, these days I would say more and more so, it's no longer a company or driven market, it's a candidate driven market because there's so many uh, options for candidates these days and the average tenure has changed from our parents' days where usually one person would stay 40, 50 years and then retire, collect their retirement and that's it. These days, it seems like people are jaw popping a bit more which has its caveats also, it's advantages. We can talk about that another day or today if you'd like. Um, But I would say at the end of the day, like just making sure that you have an idea of what you're looking for, that you put the word out there and then you have, a, a process set in place for interviewing and filtering the ideal candidate. And then once you've identified that candidate, be quick, because if you drag your feet, someone else will snag them up. And similarly, if you really like this candidate, don't dilly dally, because the other side will also resonate and feel whether or not you truly respect their time and whether you appreciate them for who they are.
2: Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. And just to I want to get really practical for a second because I think sure. some of the questions that maybe Jean or I have had with, with founders that are actually looking mm-hmm. to hire is, is the, the concept of, of salary, right? Yeah. For so, sure. so with salary, like I'm not saying that we need to go into specifics, like, like a developer is worth X or, or, or a marketer is worth <laughs> Y. I think that varies from market to market, but when you are right. new and you're trying to, to understand, and maybe you have had a background, like, like we work with a lot of entrepreneurs just as context that, that mm-hmm. are, that are in Canada for the first time right so so maybe a developer from their home country is with a and now in Vancouver they don't know if providing a as a salary is is too low too high you know how do they get information on setting I guess an appropriate amount so that they're not turning away good candidates but also they're not like they're not you know out you know True. outsourcing you know, great question putting too high
1: Yeah, Uh, I would say research information is power. So there's a lot of uh, resources on hand, whether it's pay scale or a glass door, or I think there's even a national, uh, like from Canada, Canadian government side, uh, they usually release the average salary for specific roles, but you kind of have to mix and match and put all those together. That's one way you can do it. The second way you could do it is connect with an industry expert, someone who's already been recruiting in the field or hiring in the field for some time. Leverage their experience and their wisdom. You don't necessarily have to have had a recruiter in your company. You could connect with someone on LinkedIn, someone that you know from a friend or a loved one or a family, and have that conversation. Um, Aside from that, you can also communicate with the candidate, right? After you've done your research, after you've uh, connected with your friends, family, or loved one, or just a stranger, and you have that Grassroot foundation understanding as to what the general scope of salary is, you can communicate with the candidate and try to understand what their range looks like. Uh, I would say the general guideline from both a candidate and a job job seeker and a hiring manager's perspective is to not just fixate yourself on one number Mm -hmm. and not just fixate yourself on salary alone, because that's not enough to really get someone through the door nor to hold someone there for a longer period of time. These days, candidates are looking for more than just pay. They're looking for benefits. They're looking like, as an example, health insurance. They're looking for great mentorship or leadership, opportunity for growth, whether it's remote work in the times of pandemic or just the flex schedule of being able to go into the office or out of the office. These are all items that you could work to negotiate on. So although salary is important, you have to also keep in mind that there's a variety of other factors that really determine whether or not you have a competitive package.
0: And so, um, you know, speaking from experience as well, then like, for companies, like, have you seen a lot of them kind of hire on like agencies or um, like recruiters to find and source their candidates? Or do you find that's usually with like sorry i should rephrase that like with like smaller startups do they usually hire on like recruiting services like externally or do you find that it's usually like larger like more established companies that reach out for those uh, professional services
1: i would say generally speaking from my experience it seems like smaller companies or startups do not normally leverage the services of external agencies for the main reason of budgets they're starting off oftentimes they're bootstrapping So they don't necessarily have the capacity to leverage a professional services staffing industry, like company. Um, However, there are times when there could be one-offs. For example, if they have connections once again, or if the recruiting or staffing company is actually also a startup and they're looking to get their foot into the door by building up their clientele, that could be a great way for a win-win situation where the staffing company slash person is looking for, you know building up their portfolio and the reputation as an individual contributor or as a new startup. Similarly, on, on the tech side or the hiring side, they're also looking for, you know, some some help in, in the hiring context, but also more cost-conscious services. So that could be a, a, an opportunity there. Um, yeah, generally speaking, that's what I see.
0: Mm-hmm. and so like um just to give, uh, kind of going for more of a practical route too like uh you know if we have you know larger companies um they're you know large in like asia or europe but they want to move to canada and then they're like crap now i gotta hire on at least like 10 people <laughs> like do you recommend in that case like if they have the budget do you recommend in that case like best bet is to just like you know go with a professional or do you think that you know is there enough resources available online for them to kind of figure out how to start, you know, posting those job listings and how to, you know, source out candidates? Like what would be your recommendation?
1: So, just for clarification here, uh, even if you were to leverage professional services, you would still have a hand in the hiring process. Because at the end of the day, it's your company, and you you want to have a say, ideally, in determining whether or not this person is not both uh, is both a technical and a cultural fit. So, regardless of whatever modality you choose, you're going to play a part. Um, I would say, if you have the resources available in terms of time and money. It's re- there's really no right or wrong because you could hire it out, that's fine because you have the budget for it. Yeah. But at one point, you might decide to take it in-house. That's really a choice for you and kind of the situation that you're in. Um, similarly, if you decide to do it on your own, um, one, one thing that I heard before is if you have the ability to hire it out because your time is more valuable, do so, right? If you're really good at, for example, product design, you're not really good at selling that product, would you really want to go and sell your product when you could be dedicating your time to creating new products or building better products? Similarly, in this context, if you're a new tech startup, and maybe let's say you're in the gaming industry, you love creating games, you just don't know how to hire and you don't know how to sell, but you have the budget, right? Why not dedicate your time to what you love doing and what you're really good at? And then the remainder, shuffle that uh, time and money to someone else, hire it out. Um, so, that's, so that's my personal perspective. Um, I would say on a concluding note for that topic is one of the best things about hiring a staffing service is at the end of the day, you don't pay anything unless they hire someone for you.
0: Mm-hmm. I see, Interesting. That's a good thing to know. Cause I think, you know, one of the major um, roadblocks that a lot of companies come into is like, you know, the first thing they want to do is obviously establish their office, but then the mm-hmm. next is like, starting to hire like, you know, Canadians, (laughs) um, so that they can start, you know, building out their company here. Um, just out of curiosity, then like, um, just kind of in my mind, combining, you know, HR with recruitment, generally, I feel like those words can be kind of interchanged sometimes in terms of like a company position. So at what point do you think that a company should look into hiring like a permanent, like in-house HR or a recruiting role?
1: so hr is very broad recruitment mm-hmm. is one facet of hr mm-hmm. and so that's why typically it depends on who you ask but for me personally i feel like those two are very separate um i've seen a variety of different setups and companies from both clients and companies that i've worked in internally uh, where some companies have an hr that specializes And just, let's say, for example, benefits and some that specialize in recruitment and a variety of different specializations, whereas other companies where maybe they don't have as much budget or maybe their emphasis is on other departments, um, they have one person that does it all. You do recruitment, you do administration, you do benefits, you do contract writing, terminations, everything. Um, So I would say that's usually a, a choice that you have to make. Um, but what I personally would prefer if I was uh, launching a startup is to have someone that specializes within their uh, a specific capacity, because that way I know for sure I'm getting the best for my buck.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. Cool. It's definitely a great to, Like, yeah, I mean, I feel like me, like when I think HR, it's always just like this broad, like, oh, like um, HR person does everything like benefits, as you mentioned, the wages and everything and such, but I didn't realize, you know, Um, When you go, I guess, higher level, there are more specializations within the HR umbrella.
1: Absolutely. Also, to expand Mm -hmm. on that, because it just came up, uh, I would say generally try to hire on your own or get one-off services when you're starting off, because to bring someone in-house is very expensive. If you don't have, let's say, five or 10 roles, at least through a given couple months, right? It may be better to just hire out because when you hire out it could be anywhere depending on the, uh, the the level of seniority or difficulty of the role you could be paying anywhere from a couple grand to 10 20 grand for a more senior role but if you were to bring someone in-house you could be paying them on average if they're starting off or if they're more senior anywhere from 40 45k on the lower end to closer to 80 to 100k in vancouver's market so mm-hmm. You know, you have to de- determine how many roles or capacity that you need really need to bring in, mm-hmm. and then figure out which one makes the most sense. Um, Other alternatives is sorry to interrupt. Oh no, no, no. You no, could no, bring on that. a contract recruiter, someone who comes in on a three month, six months, or one month basis. One way, uh, one reason why this is a good idea is you can test out to see if bringing someone in house actually works for you, for your style, your company. In addition, you're, it's kind of a win-win situation where both sides has a chance to try each other out. The contract recruiter could think, all right, well, I don't know if this company is gonna be a fitting role for me. So why don't I try them out for a month? Similarly on a founder's side, hey, I don't know if I have the capacity or am I willing to take the risks to bring someone else uh, on, on board full-time permanent. Maybe I don't even need that many people. I just have this brief three to six month period where I need a couple roles. So that could be an alternative as well.
0: Cool. And so I know we kind of touched a little bit on this, you know, how a company can um, scope out or I guess get the best reach when it comes to candidates. Mm-hmm. What are some other ways that a company itself can like market themselves even more? So whether, you know, to become more attractive, let's say, to a potential candidate.
1: So because this is more of a broader question, we don't yet know the, the candidate that we're looking for, mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'd like to usually establish a demographic I'm targeting first. As an example, if we're looking for co-ops or looking for, you know, people with experience between one to three years, I would say your best bet is to start with universities, colleges, connect with their career services department, connect with their co-op advisors, because their job is to find jobs for their students, right? So you can help each other out that way too. And you also have more willing candidates, because they are looking for jobs, you know, they've got maybe heavy student loan debt, they're done and complete with their schooling ready to make a difference in the world. And so they usually have a lot more earns and drive to find you as opposed to the uh, to the reverse. Um, so that's one way if you were looking for more mid level three to five year tenured uh, tenured experience professionals um, in this regards, you would have to do a little bit more headhunting. So whether it's connecting once again with your friends, family, loved ones, asking if they know anyone, right, because the referral oftentimes is a lot better than usually someone that you don't know, because you've already had someone vet for you that you've already personally known. Um, and so you can headhunt via LinkedIn, as an example. If you're looking for a technical role, you could also look at GitHub to see if you know these, because you, you can do different Boolean searches. Booleans meaning specific keywords to filter and, and search via a platform. Um, on GitHub, there's a lot of repositories. If you're technical, you can analyze those and see if they actually have the technical aptitude to suit your need. If you're looking for more senior folks, now, we're talking maybe like CTO level or Mm -hmm. um, manager or director level. In this case, it's a very competitive field. Um, For a lot of your founders, I don't know if that's like, because I'm not as familiar with that side of business. Um, I would say if they were looking for executives, uh, it is probably better to connect with industry professionals that are all like, for example, within uh, startups, there's a lot of entrepreneurial circles. Or you could do executive search, hire a staffing service company to help you find the right fit, because then they will dedicate usually months to try to find you the best fit um, and not on your dime, because it's only if they fill the role once again. And if they do and they bring you an excellent talent, that initial deposit or pay will pay itself in dividends because you brought in the right person.
0: That's awesome. I'm actually really glad that you brought that last part up because I think one of the pain points for a lot of like both local and our international startups is like finding a co-founder or finding Mm. a CTO like the executives I think is the most challenging like even ourselves as part of the program we do try to do you know CXO dinners we try to do you know um, or there's other events that are like you know CTO speed dating or CXO speed datings Um, so I definitely think that especially in Vancouver it's like one of the unspoken challenges of having your own startup for sure. So I'm really glad you
1: brought that up. <laughs> there are other ways of, this is getting a bit more creative. So mm-hmm. a lot of times when people are looking for, let's say a CTO or CXO or whatever the case, they just look for that title. But there's a kind of a niche market where if you were to go and look at ca- like the next step down and you look at folks that have been in certain companies and capacities for years and you've seen that they progressed, you've seen that they made impact, those could also be people that are ready to take the next step. And if you were to give them that opportunity, given you know previous alignments when it comes to cultural and responsibilities and technical aptitude, they could grow with the company very well because they're incentivized to do so as well, having been stagnant at a, at a position that they haven't really moved at in a while. But you know, if you if you communicate with them, you understand where they're coming from and you do your research effectively, that could be your way of getting one step ahead of the game because everyone else is looking for the the folks already in those positions you're kind of going one step further and connecting with those that aren't yet there but could be.
0: I see um so actually that was that kind of made me think of this question then like um do you think that you know is it weird for a company to actually kind of consider like poaching someone else from another company like Is there, there's no bad blood or anything when it comes to.
1: (laughs) At the end of the day, Mm -hmm. you can't compel and force someone to change jobs Mm -hmm. unless they really want to. No one is going to move from their current role unless it makes sense for them. If I were to approach Eugene or Sam or Camille and say, hey, I've got this great opportunity for you you know and you love working where you're at you know you're you're getting great compensation good career growth um it's convenient like you love culture everything why would you move and so in this case hiring poaching from different companies it's just it's just a norm right even if you don't go poach from different companies they might approach you in that case is it called poaching not necessarily um sometimes though there are whether it's communicated non or not on paper but verbally or it's just one of those things where you have partnerships um with certain companies in that case there are uh written rules saying that you can't poach from them and that's fair but generally in the market everyone poaches from everyone right.
2: do and anything then- like non-competes do anything or
1: yeah None competes do. Uh, I mean, I'm not so I'm not a lawyer, so I don't want to speak too extensively in that regards. But none competes are there for a reason. Uh, so w- once again, like I can't speak to too much of the technicalities or legalities of it. Um, but say, as an example, if I was, if I was working at Microsoft, um, and then I immediately moved to another company, I can't utilize the knowledge or experience that I've gained from or sorry, knowledge that I've gained internally um, at Microsoft to poach from Microsoft. Mm -hmm. from my understanding because that would be using information that I gleaned during my time there you know inside info that's not publicly available so if I knew that they had an upcoming project or they were doing massive layoffs or or anything of the sort like I'm I may be restricted in in terms of what I can do to vote from
2: them Mm -hmm.
0: okay yeah um I actually kind of wanted to kind of loop back a little bit more on like the recruiting like uh uh, profession itself a bit so if there are any you know um interested viewers that are listeners <laughs> both viewers and listeners um that you know they don't really have like the technical background but they want to use like recruitment as kind of like the stepping stone um what are you know some um practical advice you know I know you mentioned that you know I've got to meet the right people it's a variety of like you know skill sets um but Do you think that the recruitment um, profession is kind of like glammed up in any way? Like what are some of the challenges of being a recruiter that aren't really spoken about?
1: I think there was two questions uh, rolled up into one there. Um, The first one you, let me think. Yeah, okay. So the first one you mentioned about um, not being technical but using recruitment kind of as a way in. Um, So for that, I wanna make sure that I first understand what that person is trying to step into. If they wanted to be a programmer, I would say don't be a technical recruiter. <laughs> go, go study programming, go be a QA first, go be a development support, and then work your way up to becoming a programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if, for example, you wanted to be, you know, maybe you, you want to have a better understanding as to what the industry looks like and speak to other technical folks, you could do that uh, and then learn coding on the side. And similarly, you've built that internal relationships with hiring managers and other technical folks you know, in a variety of seniorities, by the time you're ready to make that switch to tech, that could also work, but there's not one right way. So that's just one option out of many. Um, To your second part, uh, I believe you asked me, what are the challenges when it comes to being a recruiter? Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Just like any other jobs, there's upsides and downsides. I would say uh, from what I can think of on the spot right now, um, some of the challenges includes gaps in the scope of what I'm hiring for whether it's timeline budgetary or the skill set because there's been times where there's a clearly defined job description that's been communicated to me or even I I did the uh the initial intake and in uh, requirement gathering um but then one week or two weeks down the road or maybe even the next couple of days I bring a candidate in and then it turns out the entire thing has been revamped or maybe there was a communication gap Um, So communication, once again, is key in any role that you do. Recruitment is not an exception. Uh, Second challenge I would say is when it comes to volume or quality or specific skill set that we're looking for. Uh, In different companies I've worked at, both agency and internal, sometimes there's been cases where I had to hire for 10 to 20 roles. Like that was the amount I needed to hire for in one week. On my own. Wow. <laughs> uh, so um, volume is definitely one of the biggest challenges, but it's it, it makes it fun as well. Cause like you can kind of start crossing off each and every hire. Um, and reducing seeing that number reduce, it brings about internal comfort and also mm-hmm. the sense of accomplishment. Um, and then on the other side, uh, when it's not just volume, it could be, also be the the niche, the specific skill set of a role um, where it's literally like hunting for a needle in a haystack. So those roles oftentimes take a bit longer to find, as I mentioned, because it's specific. Um, as an example, when Bitcoin started rolling around and a lot of people were moving into uh, into blockchain technologies or crypto, um, there really wasn't too many te- uh, folks that were very, very strong in said field, right? Because it's an emerging field. Similarly, when AI rolled around, artificial intelligence and you know, companies started wanting to pivot towards that direction, there's a very limited pool of candidates you can poach.
0: Definitely can see that. Wow. And yeah, I just want to say like, I, I love your answers and always concise and you break it down so easily for our listeners too. Like I'm sure that even it if they helps have any when you questions. You guys are
1: asking good questions too. <laughs>
0: yeah, hold on. Thank you. you making
2: us
1: look good. <laughs> the teamwork team effort.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, we're kind of approaching our time now. So I have this one question that we always ask one of our guests. I'm excited go um, ahead. <laughs> so um, I'll just maybe lay out a situation so that's a little bit easier to kind of think of. So let's say you started your own uh, recruitment agency. Mm-hmm. If you can hire on three, your dream team, let's say it's like three co-founders with you. Um, whether they are imaginary people, whether they're celebrities, dead historians, a uh, hero from the past, who would be your three co-founders and why?
2: you missed the, you missed the pun to say, who would you recruit?
0: Oh, oh my gosh.
2: That's why we have you here, Sam. (laughs) I was waiting for her to say it too.
1: (laughs) Thanks for buying me time to think about this, Ashley. Um, I would say I've always looked up and emulated to, well, it's, it's kind of a thing where when you grow up in the West, oftentimes society has this this effort to titanize folks. You, you look at Elon Musk, you look at Steve Jobs, those two I would definitely want on my team. And you know, one is unfortunately not with us today, the other still yeah. is very much at large. Um, but uh, I would bring on Elon Musk because he's a visionary and he just he, he's not just someone who can think of brilliant ideas, he can also execute on them and he works tirelessly to get his goals across boards recognized you know someone who's willing to after you sold off your company for hundreds of millions of dollars i can't remember the specifics anymore but you invested everything into other <laughs> ventures instead of retiring happily or or putting that money into a more safe bet right that's someone i want on my team because that will help further our cause um steve jobs because he built such a tremendous company that has lasted and through the test of time and challenges countless times again. even though he's no longer with us today. Apple is still very much at large. Um, And also he's, he worked at Pixar before. I've, I've been a fan of that growing up. So that would be, uh, you know, one way to, um, to bring him on board as well. Um, And then I would say the third person would be probably the person who wrote Art of War. Uh, because going back to my Asian heritage, I think even though those were written quite a while ago, um, that, you know, those principles still stand today. You just have to be able to kind of read a bit more into them and then apply them into modern context. So those would be my three dream team members.
0: I thought it was actually a really interesting answer. Cause like, it really brings out the fact that, you know, wisdom, like thousands of years ago or even hundreds of years ago can still translate even to present day yes like, it's it's amazing if you think about it like i don't know <laughs> i love the elon west choice because i'm a fan of elon musk <laughs> many people are. just trying <laughs> to think
2: what like <laughs> like I mean, you can imagine like the four of them in a meeting and they're trying <laughs> to decide what color the walls are going to be right like knives could get drawn I'm just gonna leave it at that (laughs) they very well could
0: (laughs) oh man that would be a very interesting meeting to be kind of like observing the glass window and just be like (laughs) I would love to be part of that for sure well who
1: knows what technology these days it might even be possible I think I saw somewhere (laughs) online via a TED talk where they were able to bring back people that are no longer with us today and have them speak on stage in their own uh, kind of virtual self with their memories and their experiences coded in.
2: So, wow. so not Coachella and Tupac. <laughs> I
1: think mean, that was it. <laughs> there we go.
0: So Maybe soon we can have you know like the option to scan our brains. If it's not, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure the technology is out there already. We just the public just doesn't know about it. But there we go. You know, one day. <laughs> well, what if they
2: scan my brain and realize there's nothing in the other, inside?
0: <laughs> then they realize
1: that you are impermeable. This is yours. Thing. <laughs>
0: Oh, I just want to say, Andy, like, thanks so much. Like, I think this was a very practical and very informative, um, episode this time. And I think our viewers are definitely going to love it. Like there's so much value that you've brought to us. And, um, is there, you know, if they do have any questions, like, can they contact you or like reach out to you? Awesome. So, um, how? you know, if they want to give you a contact, like LinkedIn, is that the best way to kind of reach us to you?
1: LinkedIn is fine. They can also reach out via email or I'm okay with giving out number as well. Um, so I don't know what modality that you're most comfortable with, but I can provide you with that information and, you know, I trust your guys' judgment. So whoever you give my information out to, just as long as they don't spam me, I'm good.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I think best thing, best bet is contact him on LinkedIn, Andy H U. Yep. uh andy h u i think that's that's the safest and best bet i mean you know, obviously you can reach out to us if you want to connect with andy on a personal level
0: mm-hmm. um
2: but we can uh we can leave it at that thanks so much for your time andy Beautiful. And, thanks and for, for those you. that those the guys who are listening follow us on on twitter facebook instagram it's launch academy hq don't forget to like and subscribe i always love saying that
0: um
2: <laughs> give us five stars too where are five stars people at
0: <laughs> we feel like real youtubers now you know Remember to (laughs) subscribe to us. (laughs)
2: I mean, we are real people and we're on YouTube. So at what point to become real YouTubers? Nice.
0: One day we'll aspire to be. (laughs) One day. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Andy, for your time. Um, Thank you, everyone that is listening in. Uh, We'll we'll have another episode coming up in the next month. And once again, we hope that uh, we get to see you again um, at that one. So Bye, everyone. Have a wonderful week.